Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your co-host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And I'm J.P. Miller, coming to you from rural Virginia. Welcome to the show, guys and girls. Today is episode 134. J.P. Miller, episode 134, and... um, I don't know about you, brother, but it is nice here in Indiana in late February. I mean, beautiful. Like you, we do not get this weather in Indiana much in February. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it it um it warmed up here quite a bit today too, and I'm I'm happy for it. I'm still kind of fighting a little bit of sickness. I don't know what this Wuhan flu or whatever this is that I got, but it is not trying to go away. So I'm still a little. Little under the weather, a little nasally, but a lot better than I was. And we're going to bring you the show as we always do. Listen, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, like you know, sometimes uh, if you live right, like I do, then you're healthy. If you if you if you're kind of if you're on the edges a little bit, it can be bad for your health. You know what I'm saying? So if you're out I, there and you're religious, <laughs> pray for our man JP and get his get his get his life right. <laughs> Uh, you know who did get their life right this weekend, JP? And this was good for all of us. The world of drag racing. I mean, we had three major events this weekend, and the places were packed. Yeah, um, it, it, everything looked good, man. What did we have? Uh, Lights Out 15, and then uh, NMRA was in Gainesville, and then Orlando Speed World had a big event. So, yeah, it, um it looked good, man, uh, and that's great to see this early in the season. I know everybody's chomping at the bit, and you still got quite a few people who aren't even ready to go. So for to have this many cars coming out at various events this early is great for the season and great for the sport. A hundred percent agree. You have three tracks all within, I think, four-hour radius of each other. They were all packed to the gills. You mentioned lights out. Lights out. We'll talk a little bit about that lately or later in the show. But uh, great event, I guess. What Duck said was, "There's never been more people on the property in the history of uh, that series, and it's it's been packed before." So, congrats to those guys for for just filling it. Um, I know Raleigh and the boys at NMRA killed it down in Gainesville. Had a, a lot of cars, and then. Orlando Speed World, they had, you know, their bracket race, I think, got over 400 cars. And then they had 70 cars show up for the BLP Quick 32. So, I mean, that's that's 
approaching some IHRA days, you know, isn't it? I mean, 70 for 32 spots. Yeah, um, that is awesome. Um, and that's what we like to see. So um, I'm challenging everybody, like I said before, to keep this trend going all season. So every event that you can, let's try to pack out every track and every event that we can. Spectators, racers, you know, haters, whoever wants to come. As someone once said, tomorrow is promised to no one. If you're a racer, get to it. I mean, that's that's the thing. Racers race. And, uh, man, the whole the whole sport came out this past weekend and that just got me fired up. Um, and and because of that, we've got an absolutely great show for you here this week. Um, another great one. Episode 134 will not disappoint. We've got really um, I mean, would you. I don't know if pioneer is the right word. Would we say pioneer for our guest this week, JP? He's he's been in the game for a long time, so I would I would put him up there. Um he's I would put him up there. He's one of the foremost authority on the subject uh that I know and that a lot of people know. So yeah, I would I would definitely say um yeah. I mean, you could put him in that pioneer conversation. I th- I think you could. Well, the the race would be um, drag racing would not be the same without uh, without the the spray, the nitrous, the override, and Steve Johnson with Induction Solutions is going to come on later in the show and talk through his history in the sport and you know just give us his, some of his insights of what he sees. And I, I can't wait to I can't wait to have him on. Yeah, super excited for this conversation. Um, I've I've known Steve for a while, and um, we kind of have a working relationship. But um, Steve is a really good guy, really, really one of the most knowledgeable guys and probably one of the most cutting-edge uh, companies as it pertains to nitrous in our sport. So um, it's going to be really great to hear what he has to say, like you said. Yeah, so uh, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box and talk about the hot topic of the week, J.P. Miller, the PDRA made some announcements this past week. Yeah, um, they started announcing their payouts for 2024. And um, as we kind of knew, there was going to be an increase uh, in the purses, at least. Um, well, there was an increase in the purses in Pro Nitrous and in Pro Boost. And I think those guys got some extra money for qualifying or something. Um, and then they announced some of the other classes and, uh, it was the way that the announcement was kind of put out the way that the post was put out for top sportsman and top dragster. It looked like there was like a large increase in payout, but then when you went to the fine print, it was not actually an increase in payout. It was the same payout as it's been um so i i don't know what to think about that um i guess in my opinion 
I don't I don't understand why the post was made in that manner because at a glance it looked like it was a big increase in payout. But then when you read it, it was like, oh, okay, no, this is the same payout. So you're you're saying not, that because it it combined elite top sportsmen and top dragster with the regular side of the program as well. So instead of saying four thousand to win and three thousand to win and elite yeah. and regular. They said seven thousand. It said seven thousand dollars. Like it was the seven thousand was like in big and bold. Yeah, I get that. It was like the biggest part of the post. So I guess it was, and I'm not, and I'm not saying anything disparaging about PDRA. It just was a little confusing, and there there was some chatter about it, so we had to talk about it um, because some people seen it, and and you know they kind of had the same thoughts as I. Because when I first seen it, I was like, oh boy, and then I read it, and I was like, oh okay. Well, we know so, Redline got involved, right? We know Redline got yes. involved with PDRA this year. Uh, we had Mark Beatty on, and if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to him. He was fantastic. Um, but I think it kind of goes back to what, you know, like a lot of us have said in a while. But if so, they're putting more money to the top classes, right? I, I didn't look at all of it, so I, I couldn't probably get an A on a test if you quiz me right now. But the way I understood it was that the pro nitrous and pro boost got significant payout increases right both at the top end and in qualifying positions and that's good and hopefully what that means is that brings in more butts in the seats right if you have more quality cars if you have more cars trying to qualify and compete in pro nitrous and pro boost hopefully what that means is more butts in the seats which then in return means more cash to the association which then turns more cash to the racers down the line right i mean is that that's got to be the thought process yeah and 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 hopefully that's what will happen um i would just say and you know i i compete at pdra on a very limited limited schedule just because of I just can't get off work like that to go all the time. Um, I don't have but so much vacation time and it's just the way it is. So, mm. you know, my opinion is probably they probably don't want to hear my opinion, but I'll give it to you anyway. I would just say that when you have two classes that bring in the amount of cars consistently every race that top sportsmen and top drags to do, Throw them a little something. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean they're they're average. I think they average close to seventy cars in uh, you know top sportsmen anyway every event last year, and they were and when they do that, then they ultimately qualify sixty four cars. They qualify sixteen in elite and forty eight in regular, and yeah, you know so that's sixty four top sportsmen top dragster cars going down the track. Um, you would hope that would you know. Uh, move the needle a little bit in terms of purse. But that said, I mean, this goes back, this again goes back to when light bets, when they come on board and that is, you know, going to be this summer with real money wagering, then you can start attracting more eyeballs. And when you attract more eyeballs, then the series is better from a sponsorship standpoint because it's going to have more eyeballs. It's not just drag racing people. And I mean, it's, it's going to be the majority of drag racing people, but if the stands are full, that makes it a lot easier to make money from an association standpoint. And, you know, we yeah. know that likely pro nitrous and pro boost probably bring the most fans, but, but man, top sportsmen, top dragster are bringing a lot in the back gate. 
and um, and they provide a great place to race. So all that stuff is good. So I'm going to lean on the optimistic side here. Um, but certainly the, that money went to the top end to the, you know, to what would draw in the average fan. Right. And so we do more of that. Right. We're all good, I think. Yeah. And I and I'm not going to I'm not like I said, I'm not down on PDRA. And I will say this. They did announce today that they're coming out with a new program that they're making 20 spots available and they're allotting two to three spots per category for each event that will allow you to basically promote the class and help them promote. And you will basically the leading, the leading, uh, the leading promo code uses with this deal will get a free event tech card. So this is a good deal. This is something oh, that I've never God. seen done before. Um, and you can you can you can look at the PDRA races and teams uh, Facebook page, and you can see more about that. But it's it's a good deal. It's it's a mar- it's a marketing initiative for 2024 to help them kind of spread the word. And so I will say hats off to them for that. Um, that is a a good deal. And you know hopefully that will help kind of move the needle and 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 help kind of you know get the persons up maybe in some of the other classes at some point because ultimately they need to put fans in the stands to be able to do this. And that's what we need, folks. So once again, get out to the races, all events, not just PDRA, PDRA, NHRA, JNR promotions. Get out to every event that you can, and let's try to pack these tracks out, and uh, then that way we can get these racers some more money. I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, and still, if you're running elite, you win four rounds, you win four grand. That's not bad. You know, that, no, that's it's not. not they're not, not. Their bad. payouts are not bad at all. I'm not. I'm not down in their payouts. I'm I, at all. I can't. You know, I just like I said. It's just we got to get the marketing. Cards. We got to get the marketing team on your level. I think is what you're trying to say. We yeah, the, those classes draw a lot of cars, man. You know, yeah, I agree. Just, so listen, you are preaching to the choir, sir, preaching to the choir. I mean, we love this class for a lot of reasons. These classes, I should say, for a lot of reasons. And and uh, yeah, I mean, but but that's interesting. I do think it's good. I mean, in, in a world where we don't know, you know, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. You know, what the PDRA did this year was put in writing and uh, confirmed they're going to have another great season. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think... You know, if it all goes to plan, I think this is could be good for all of us. Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that's um, that's always a good thing. But you know, I'm always going to be an advocate for the two classes that we cover, and so as well you should, and uh, as well we are. I, I like it. All right, let's put this thing in the beams, and uh, this week. We're going to revisit the World Series of Pro Mod predictions that we had with JP last week, upcoming this weekend in Bradenton Motorsports Park. I think one of the coolest events we're going to have all year long for our classes. World Series of Pro Mod. Of course, the Pro Mods are going to be awesome, but also they are going to have both top sportsmen and top dragster. And, uh, you know, we had last episode jp we had you do some predictions on what you thought the number one qualifying position was going to be and then also what you think um you know is the bump spot and so at this point um we've had more entries right we've had uh we've had more 
people show up. It looks like we're now at 46 entries on the top sportsman side, uh, 32 on the top dragster side. So looks to be full fields, but that is more than what we had two weeks ago. And so we have to give you, in all good faith, we have to give you a chance to revise these numbers if you would like to. So I will review for our listeners. You predicted that the top sportsman class would have a number one qualifying position of a 368, and the bump spot would be a 413. Given the fact that we have 46 cars entered at this point, are you wanting to stand by a 368 and a 413, or would you like to change those numbers, sir? I'm going to stay with my original prediction on top sourcing. I'm going to stay with the 368 and the 413. Okay. I mean, that's standing on business is what you're saying right there. I mean, that's what you're doing right now, saying I I knew what I was talking about, Rex Silverbaker. I didn't need any adjustments <laughs> and or manipulations to happen. Is that, I think that's what you're telling me. Is that what you're saying? I, that's, that's it. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. All right. I mean – Listen, this this is a loaded field. This is a loaded field um, of top sportsman cars. And what I'm personally most fired up for, Bob Mandel III will be there, JP, which means there's also going to be 400-foot burnouts, and there's going to be 80-mile-an-hour reversing uh, going on, which is incredibly cool. So I hope he wins. I hope he wins a lot of rounds just so that the fans can see his show that he puts on every time he puts it in the beams. It's, it's very, very cool. So, Bob, go win some rounds, man. It would be uh, so much fun. Um, but who do, who do you like? I mean, you, you said, hey, essentially it's the same. And I, I don't blame you, but there's going to be some people that are going to go home, uh, not make the field, that have incredible cars, right? There, there's going to be some hurt feelings at the end of this thing. Definitely going to be some hurt feelings at the end of this deal. I'm going to... I'm going to go with the champ. I'm going to go with uh, Hollywood, Donnie Urban. You're going to pick Hollywood, Donnie Urban to win this one? Yep. Okay. Well, that would be interesting, right? Because I, the way I understand it is he is on record at this point of saying this will be his only race that he competes in this season. He's going to do some tuning. He's going to do some uh, crewing, I think, for lack of a better word, on some uh, pro mods, some other cars. And he's he's going to take a step back from wheeling the thing, right? So you're saying the one time he goes out this year, boom, going to get it done. I'm saying what what better way to cap it off if not winning 50K in Florida? Man, yeah, that's that's hard to argue against. I mean, it really is hard to argue against. All right, so you like Hollywood. Um, if I have to make a guess... If I had to make a guess, I'd probably go with Darian Bosch. Um, just from the standpoint that he's he's won down there. Now, this would be back-to-back 50K wins for him. But there is something to have in confidence. There's something to, you know, having spent some time down there, being comfortable. And we know Darian can drive the lights off of everything. So, I, I mean, Hollywood, Darian Bosch, actually everybody on this list could win it. But I I like it. I I don't I don't hate uh, I don't hate what you've said so far. Let's let's flip the script. Let's take the doors off. Let's go to the top dragster side of it. Now, what you said 
last episode was that it was a 372, which is kind of interesting because it'd be a little bit slower than the top Swerfin side. Now, I get it. There's there's good reasons for that. And you said the bump was going to be a 429. Are you staying with those numbers, 372 and 429? I'm going to stay with the 372. I think I'm going to actually lower the bump to a 420. Okay. All right. Um, lower the bump to a 420. All right. I get that. That's, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's reasonable. And just because it's a full field and now, and we're, we think we've got, um, we've got, you know, reason to uh, pick it up and everybody can run 420s. I mean, it looks like everybody in this field can run 420s. Um, that's interesting. I will tell you, I was told off the air that uh, your 372 has no chance. If Brian Tidrick and his daughter, Ashley Johnson, the driver, have anything to say about that, that 372 has no chance of standing tall. Um, I'm told that they have put on a larger blower over the winter and that um, the 70s have no chance of, of standing put if they're in, if everything goes the way they expect it to go. So, um, I like that. Um, you know, Brian Tidrick is, well, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in this, uh, episode, but he would, uh, he would fit right in with, uh, our out of the groove segment. Um, so stay tuned with that for sure. Uh, when we talk about that, but I, I think this is great. Um, I think, um, you're, you're probably right. 420 is reasonable for all these people. Um, I think it's interesting. Like, you know, I would probably say if I had to pick somebody to win, if I'm going to go out on a limb pick, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick Danny Nelson. Danny has won big money bracket races in his career. No stranger to top dragster, been doing it a long time, former world champ. Uh, this will not phase him at all. I feel like this is potentially something he could uh, get really comfortable with and and win down there. Yeah, um, he's definitely a good pick. Um, if I got a pick, I'm going to go with Steve Furr because um, he's no stranger to winning, no stranger to high-pressure situations. So I feel like that if – I mean, obviously everybody on the list can get it done. Um, there's definitely some hitters on this list. But, yeah, if I got to pick somebody, I'm going to go with Steve Furr. I don't hate it. I mean, former or uh, just coming off a world championship, right? Um, and, um, you know, obviously can put – if he's in the beams, he can turn on a wind light. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of great drivers going down there. Obviously, uh, uh, McKenna Kitterman, who won last year's event. So she won the inaugural one. She's she's back. Um, you know, there's just a, a list of, of great drivers and so everybody who gets in is going to be a threat, so which is just going to make it very, very cool. So I'm excited about that whole event. Um, I like it. I like you made it. You made a little of adjustment um, for the new, which we we have to give you. We have to give you fair. Um, that is that is only fair to say. Hey, the the list has changed, and so therefore you should have an opportunity to revise that. And I I think you've done that. So if uh, if you're listening and you think JP is out on a limb, you don't think those times are right, we want to hear from you. Or if you've got predictions on who you think you're is going to win, like if Winlight Bets was uh, had their real money app up and running right now, who would you put your money on? And I think this is you know really pretty fascinating, a great event. I'm I can't be more excited for it. 
Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see how this all shakes out, and I and, and I and I hope that um that Brian Tedrick proves me wrong. Um, but I got to stick with that 372 just from what I'm seeing on this list right now, and I, I could be way off base. So, like Rex said, if y'all think that I'm just crazy, then Listen, call in with your predictions. Listen, I know Brian Tidger. I love Brian Tidger. I'm just telling you, he what you just said is like a personal attack to that man. So I mean, it's, I, I was it's, not. I was not. I'm telling to you, what you just personally. said was, was a personal just... attack to that man. Well, Brian, if you're listening, <laughs> it was not meant as a personal attack. Yeah, it, he, he, that's that's how he takes that. So I think that 372 is in big, big trouble. <laughs> But you can't run faster than 365, Brian. So don't, you don't know, get don't mess excited. around and get yeah, disqualified. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we just think this is going to be an amazing race. So if you have comments, uh, you know, make some comments on our Facebook page and tell us what you think and who who your predictions are. We can't wait for it. Yeah, no doubt. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs, get with Ed Arney at DragRaceLawyer.com. JP Miller, there was some action this weekend. We're going to start it off with Lights Out 15. This is a little bit out of our category, right? We don't typically cover the event, but we have to say this. Stevie Fast Jackson wins Radial versus the World, Lights Out 15, and it's notable to our class for this reason, I think. Last year at this time, my man was not driving. Like he had hurt his back. It was serious business. It was, there was some questions on whether he was ever going to get in a race car again. So for him to come back, get healthy, and win what is a huge event. I mean, the Super Bowl for those radial racers um, that speaks volume to him, and it's really good for the sport because he talks a lot and he backs it up. And uh, if there was a Ric Flair of uh, radio racing and maybe pro mod racing, maybe it's drag racing in general, it's Stevie Fast Jackson, and I like it. So I say congrats to him. So a little bit out of our norm, but we had to talk about him, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. It was basically all Stevie Fast all the time down there. From I mean, even before the race, I seen a um, – I didn't see a post that Donald Long made that didn't mention Stevie Fast in it. So <laughs> it was it was a um <laughs> it was no doubt <laughs> that he was happy to have Stevie on the property and he was rooting for Stevie and Stevie won, so it all worked out the way that it was planned, I guess. But I no, congratulations to Stevie and Killing Time Racing and our, our buddy Don O'Neill down there working for KTR now. So Congratulations to that whole team. Uh, big, huge weekend. Um, I think he won everything but the 50-50 drawing. So he, he did. He did good. <laughs> yeah. That, listen, uh, Duck is has been really good to me, and so I have a lot of respect for him. And my man knows how to promote a race. It just, it's too fun. Oh yeah, he's too fun. He's one of the best promoters in the world. I, he does. I don't know him, and he don't know me. I just like to take jabs at him every once in a while because I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping like maybe he'll start talking bad about me, and that'll get me some more exposure for my stuff. There you um, go. There you go. Yeah. He'll do it. He, he's not afraid to do that. Uh, in a little less publicized race on the other side of the country, um, Division Seven started their season with a double. In Arizona, um, so they they start their season out that way. Um, beautiful weather, I'm told. 
probably is always beautiful in Arizona. I don't know. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is they did it double that way. So they got two races in. They started on uh, the first event was in the top sportsman class was Craig Lyles over David Cook Jr. David Cook Jr. had a great weekend. He did not win on the first event on Friday. Um, they finished up. Um, and he did not win in the second event. Mike Lucas beat him, beat David Cook Jr. in the second event of the weekend. But David Cook Jr. went to all the rounds, every single round that the Division Seven NHRA event held that weekend, and just didn't win the finals twice. So he's off to a good start in terms of points. If he's chasing points in Division Seven, you should be very aware that David Cook Jr. started his season very well. Um, on the top dragster side, the first event was Baruch Lamas. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I think it's Baruch. He was really good over Terry White in the final. He was 008 two above to get the win, the win light in uh, the first top dragster event. And then the second top dragster event was kind of cool. It was an all girls final, JP. And we see that, you know, uh, from time to time throughout the year. Of course, drag racing is the most diverse sport in the world. And Mallory Reese wins over Hannah Cook. And uh, they, they both had very good runs. Mallory was just a little bit better. So congrats to both Mallory and Hannah. And Mallory Reese gets the win in top dragster out in Division 7 land. So congrats to all you competitors out there. Way to kick off the season in really nice style. Whoa, we're going to get out of the groove for a minute. And guys, girls, we're going to go way out of the groove. We're going to go up in the air, way up in the air, because there was a report this week that five passenger airplanes reached 800 miles an hour after strong winds pushed these planes to these insane speeds. So um, typically, a airplane cruising, you know, on a commercial airline cruises at about 575 miles an hour. These things were going 800 plus miles an hour, which is about 40% faster than a typical cruising speed. And uh, that all happened because there were winds that reached almost 265 miles per hour um, above the state of Washington. And so that Virgin Atlantic flight um, and many others like it uh, arrived almost an hour earlier. So it was crazy that there were flights that were going 840 miles an hour. Crazy, crazy speeds, which I thought was kind of cool. So it reminded me of what is called the LA speed check story. And what you're going to hear now is pilot major Brian Soule who recounts the story of the LA speed check story, which is a very cool story. And I thought you listeners would enjoy it because we are at our core, all speed freaks. So here he is. Here's Major Brian Soule giving us the LA speed story. It's called the LA speed story. And I, it was just a story about one day it was really cool being being SR-71 pilot. Walter and I were doing a training mission around the United States where you just were building up hours and time. And we take off out of Beale, hit a tanker in Idaho, rip on up to uh, Montana, zip across Denver, hang a right turn in Albuquerque, out over Los Angeles, up to Seattle, back into Sacramento, two hours, 21 minutes. 
And you just do that for, and you do it backwards, and you hit a tanker. It was just, just to gain crew coordination, get, build your hours. We're on our last training mission. We're over Tucson. I can see downtown LA from Tucson. We're at 89,000 feet. I can see the whole western United States bathed in a warm October fall glow. I can see the chain of Rocky Mountains from Canada to New Mexico. I can, I can just see the most beautiful picture laid at my feet in this air as smooth as glass, not a gauge moving in the cockpit. It was perfect. Now I'm thinking, we bad. <laughs> and I feel sorry for Walter because he has to monitor five radios in the back seat, so I flipped the switch up just to listen. and. LA Center is controlling, they control all, when you fly Southwest Air, the guy's controlling everybody. But we're above controlled airspace. So they, they have us on their scope, but they're not talking to us. Now there's controllers all over the country, Jacksonville Center, Chicago Center, Seattle Center, you know. It's the same guy. They all talk the same. And it's really cool the way they talk, because they make you feel important as a pilot. They don't just say, yeah, okay, here's your thing. They make you feel really cool. So sure enough, this was pre-GPS days. Some Cessna guy has to know his ground speed. Uh, LA Center Cessna, November Tango Alpha, you got a ground speed readout for us? Now Center would like to say, who cares, get off free. <laughs> but no, he'll talk to him like he's John Glenn. Cessna, November Alpha, we show you 90 knots, nine zero knots on the ground. And they do that sing-song, but that's how they talk. And it makes you feel kind of cool. Right after that, a twin bonanza came up to pimp the guy for speed, I guess. And, LA Center, Twin Beach, uh, whatever. You got a ground speed readout for us? And Center likes it. God, it's Friday. Why me? God, please, just get off. But he's going to talk to him like he's Air Force One. Twin Beach, shall we show you 121, two zero knots on the ground? And right after that, a Navy F-18 out of Lemoore popped up on frequency. And you knew it was a Navy guy because he talked really slick on the radio. Center Dusty 5-2 speed check. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Dusty 5-2 has a ground speed indicator and that million dollar F-18 cockpit. It's right there in the heads up display. Why is he calling Center to broadcast his speed? <laughs> I get it. We are just the meanest, baddest, fastest military jet in the valley today. We're taking our little Hornet jet over Mount Whitney and ripping across Death Valley. We want everyone from Fresno to the coast to know what real speed is. And you can almost hear a little, a little glee in the controller's voice like, we have put an end to this. <laughs> Dusty 5-2, we show you 620, 620 knots across the ground. And it was that across the ground. See that little knife like, I hope nobody else has the nerve to get on frequency now. And there wasn't an airliner from Seattle to San Diego that wanted to be next on freak. It's sort of an etiquette thing amongst flyers. And a 12-year-old was reaching for the mic button. <laughs> And I thought, oh, no, wait, Walter's in charge of the radios. I flew single seat all those years, but I'm in the family model now. And I, I went, no, it's the Navy that must die. It must die now. And I, and I thought, no, but if I do, I will upset Walter, and I want us to be a good crew. And I, at that moment, I heard a click of the mic button in the back seat. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Walter and I became a crew at that moment. And his best innocent voice L.A. Center, Aspen 3-0, have you got a ground speed radar for us? <laughs> you could almost hear a collective gasp on Freak, like all oh, the poor fools didn't hear the previous transmissions. Oh, they, they got crushed like a grape. It's, it's just a pilot thing. But Center had to give you that same voice. 
Aspen 3-0, we show you 1,992 knots. <laughs> Cross the ground. When I knew I was going to like Walter a lot is when he came back and said, Senator, we're showing a little closer to 2,000. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we did not hear another transmission on that frequency all the way to the coast. The king of speed lived, the Navy had been flamed, and a crew had been formed. For just a moment, it was absolutely fun being the fastest guys on the block. So there it is, folks. That is the L.A. Speed story. So if you're going to Bradenton Motorsports Park and you're hitting, you're trying to hit the number one spot down there, make sure there isn't a SR-71 that is flying down there with you. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone presented by Certified Transmissions, on with us now from Brooksville, Florida, really a guy who made some of this stuff very, very famous. Uh, one of the main competitors in the fastest streetcar shootout back way back in time in 1992 and the owner of Induction Solutions. Please welcome Steve Johnson. Steve, how are you tonight? Doing great. Uh, appreciate being on with you guys. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. So, Steve, um, this is kind of like the first in installment of our tech section that we've been promising our listeners for two years now. So we finally got this off the ground um, and we felt <laughs> like it was was no better way to start than with uh, starting with Nitrous Tech. So just wanted to um, kind of get to tell everybody kind of briefly how you got your start in the performance industry. Oh, wow. Um, I guess I, I got started uh, first off again. You know, I, I really appreciate you. I, I didn't realize I was going to be the first one in your tech, uh, you know, side of this thing. So, so that's that's a uh, that's awesome. I really appreciate you including me in that and, and making us the first. But uh, as far as starting off, I kind of started off as much as I hate to say, like a lot of guys do on the streets. And uh, I grew up in the far suburbs from Chicago and, and ended up in the city racing a lot and then worked in a small speed shop and. Had a customer that I did some work for, ended up driving some cars for. The next thing you know, he bought a car through Scott Shafferoff and another fella. And we were on our way to Memphis as the unknowns to go down to uh, the 1992 Hot Rod Magazine Fastest Streetcar Shootout. And uh, we had a pretty good time down there. We uh, kind of shook everybody up a little bit, showing up out of nowhere. I set the mile per hour record at the race and in, in uh, the typical shoulda, woulda, coulda, I shoulda won the thing, but I didn't. <laughs> so from there, I went into a little bit of pro mod, uh, finished top 10 in IHRA pro mod two different years. And then after, uh, really after the five inch four center engines started, I uh, honestly just, my funding wasn't there. I stepped back from it and went to work for NOS as their race guy. And then uh, that, that led me over to Edelbrock for a little while, which, in turn, I uh, went off onto my own as Induction Solutions and started my own entity, and have done that, you know, ever since. Okay, yeah, and so you were you were in kind of the early days of ProMod back before, you know, these were like uh, a lot of these cars had clutches in them, and yep, you oh know, yeah, that type yeah. of deal. Because you were you were running with like McCamus and those guys, right? Yep. If if memory serves me correctly, and mind you, I'm getting old now, I think 91 was the first IHRA Pro Mod season, which McCamus was the world champion in. 
Um, in 92, we, we started going to the super Chevy events in under when they were doing the big deal with pro mod under Sunoco sponsorship. And at that point in time, everybody was building the ZR one Corvette. And like I said, the, the fellow that picked me up, um, honestly, I was, I, I kind of was working for him. And the next thing I know, he shows me uh, a check. He sent it to Jerry Bickle for a, a new pro mod car and Shafiroff engines. And we bought Manny De Jesus, the witch doctor. We bought his toter home and stacker trailer. And I mean, we went full blown, you know, so it was kind of crazy, but, but yeah, we jumped right in and I kind of, I kind of remember because actually Tim McCamus, the Corvette that I campaigned in 1993 was one of the last complete cars that Tim McCain was built uh, at Jerry Bickle race cars before he started his own shop. Okay. Yeah. I, so I did not know. I did not know that. I did not know that he got his start at Bickles, but that, that would make sense. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of those yep. guys kind of started off there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And back in those days, that was kind of like a few years removed from, you know, what I would say, Back in the old IHRA qualifying days for top sportsmen, when those guys would do like the quick eight deal, I think it was on a yeah. Friday or Saturday night, and that was kind of how you know the whole pro yeah. deal got kind of kind of got going. Um, mm-hmm. So you were kind of right in that era. Well, I was I was kind of like I guess post because yeah, the, right, the quick right eight is era. where it started with Robbie Vandegrift and Coolman and Charles Carpenter you know, and probably, you know, Tommy Mooney, you know, a lot of those guys, they, they were, they were the badasses of the, of the quick eight deal. And and like I say, if memory serves me correctly, 91 was the first year that IHRA made it a heads up class. And, and that was when it really kicked off. And ironically, McCamus had a uh, firebird that he ran the 91 season with and won the championship and we actually purchased that car in 92 and basically made it, uh, again, it was kind of a venture with the car owner that I dealt with in Shafiroff. We basically were the first door car to run in the sixes and over 200 mile an hour with a single four barrel carburetor. And uh, so that, that car was pretty cool. Really never got the press back then that, that it, that it deserved, I guess. And, and I took that car because again, I had never driven anything like that, you know, leading up to that, but this guy had bought me a damn pro mod. So I had, had got my license from Roy Hills and I brought that single four barrel car to the snowbirds and the citrus nationals down here in the winter in Florida in 92 and actually qualified it in pro mod at both those races. And then my Corvette was done, you know, in the spring of 93 that I took to Darlington and went on from there. Nice. Awesome. So let's, Tell us a little bit about kind of back then, kind of with the combinations, because I know you deal with a lot of different combinations and classes. But back then in those early days, what was the what was the main what what were y'all running? You said you had a single four on it. So was that one system? Was that multiple system? (laughs) Believe it or not, that car that we did the six second, 200 mile an hour deal with to set the record. That was a 632 with a cast single four big chief manifold with a single direct port system and an NOS big shot plate on it. <laughs> so that's what, you know, it's funny because to this day in JP, you're on social media a lot like I am. And you always see these guys, I call them internet parrots. They're repeating bad information that they've heard over the years or read on other pages, you know, and uh, there's always guys saying, 
you can't run a direct port and a plate system together. That doesn't work. And I'm like, well, damn, you should have told me back that in 92 when I was running 680s at 202, 203 with that in a nearly 2,500, actually it was a 2,580 pound car. It was a heavy car, but, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, so when I got my pro mod car, when I, when I rolled out in 93 with the pro mod, I mean, the, the, the run of the mill drivetrain then was a four speed Lenco dual disc, uh, 10 inch Ram clutch and a four, eight forty seven Oh six that had a terrible piston design in it, <laughs> you know? So, um, that that's basically what we rolled out. I ran 93 and 94, actually, well, 95 up into 96 with that combination. And then in 96, the five inch seven thirty seven started coming out. Okay. And that's when it really started changing. Yeah, you you definitely can run a um, direct port with a plate because that's what I have on my car. So if yeah, you can't, yeah, did, no, right. did nobody tell you. me? <laughs> yeah, did nobody <laughs> tell me that yet? Um, but, yeah. Uh, no. Um, going into kind of more on the lines of uh, um, for our classes that we mainly cover, which is top sportsman and top dragster. I mean, nitrous has always been probably the most popular power adder um you see kind of pro chargers coming into the to mi- the mix now in the last couple of years and there's a few turbo cars out there uh scattered but for the most part it's been mainly nitrous um and the key to what we do is consistency what would you what would you say why or matter of fact let me word it this way why do you believe that nitrous is the most consistent power at it? Well, I mean, the, the funny thing with nitrous and the whole deal is number one, it's, it's, it's cheap trick. You know, that was kind of one of my jokes, you know, that's just a cheap trick. It, it's really, it's inexpensive compared to superchargers and turbochargers and all the things that go with them. So that that's one of the most attractive things to it. But secondary, like you said, the consistency it brings blows people's mind. Like Rex was saying, his dad wouldn't even allow nitrous in the house. But Rex, I'm going to tell you, I have dealt with so many customers over the years that they call me up and they kind of give me that same spiel. You know, I've never ran nitrous. It's terrible. It blows everything up. It's this, it's that. But, you know, I got to go faster. I got to put a nitrous kit on this thing. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's no problem. You know, we'll be okay. And, uh, you know, as JP knows, you know, one of the things I try to base my business around is customer service and helping people. And that's what I tell them. If you listen to me and let me help you, you'll be fine, you know. And, uh, you know, nine times out of ten when a guy goes out and runs this thing, the first thing he does when he calls me is goes, oh, my God, Steve, I cannot believe how consistent this car is. He's like, this thing just spits the number out, the same, the same, the same. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's not as temperamental till the air changes, you know. You've got a good system with an efficient nitrous to fuel ratio. We've got the timing retarded where it needs to be and the thing's happy. And it just doesn't change, you know, the uh, the water grains going up, the, you know, the air going to, you know, to going away on you. Um, it just doesn't make those runs, you know, from good air to bad air like a, pretty much any other combo will. And, and that's the biggest thing. I love talking to guys that have never had nitrous and we, we get them going that first time. And I'm going to tell you nine times out of 10, when they call there, I can see them grinning and that's, they're like, Oh my God, is this thing consistent? 
why didn't I do this 15 years ago? And I'm like, I don't know, man. He just called me two weeks ago, but here we are. <laughs> so, you know, and I mean, I think historically, and JP, you'll know this better than me, but I would say if you ever look historically at top sportsmen, top dragster, world champions, I'm going to say a good majority of them were nitrous cars. And, and I would say that, I don't know, again, correct me, I would say very few have been forced induction cars. Uh, yeah, I mean, all the 2023 champions were, were nitrous that I saw. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, luckily from, again, my side of it, induction solutions, you know, the cool thing about us is we, we work with everybody, all different, you know, from a guy that, you know, wants to put a little plate kit on a street car and just poke around to, you know, to some pretty high-profile racers and you know again the the consistency and the winning and, and the the uh, the help you give them and stuff that that reliability once they find that 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 just seems to really help out and, and really get them going so that's that's the fun part when they really start seeing how consistent it is and winning winning races and winning rounds and uh you know the big thing is a lot of this stuff is directed at national events and that's where you see those supercharged cars that some of them, especially in top dragster, go out there and put some crazy laps down. But again, for us, it's nice because we deal with a lot of guys that either only run divisionals or even run a local track that calls it top dragster kind of, you know. So mm. not everybody's out there trying to go 60620, you know. So um, it's it's just a great fit, you know, for a lot of people. And I'm I'm happy, obviously, as a business owner that we can fit into so many places. Oh yeah. Um, would you say nowadays, and like as it relates to top sportsmen and top dragster, it's probably the multiple multiple stage systems are are pretty more you know more prevalent as opposed to. I know uh-huh. back in the day, you used to have a lot of guys that you know they throw a plate on and just you know I just need enough to get in the show and then you know I'm gonna turn it off. But now you know you're starting to see guys with two and three kits on these deals. And yeah, yeah. There's definitely. I mean, you see again. It, it, like PDRA or some of the nationals levels, you get your guys that, that are damn near a pro mod car or have been a pro mod car that are running in top sportsmen. And yeah, you got guys literally with three and four stages out there that are that are going, you know, really fast. But yeah, if if I look at the masses of deals that, that you know that we deal with, majority are single to dual stage. You know, there's a lot of guys again that travel. That like to have the two stages because they'll a lot of them will qual, you know how it is they'll qualify on two stages and then then race on one mm-hmm. you know depending yeah. on what their numbers are but you know then they always have that second stage again as a finish line you know button as well you know so we we do a lot of two stage stuff and I mean I'm I, I don't really have numbers off the top of my head but we you know we do a share of both single stage and, and two stage stuff for the most part, you know, it's, it's top sportsman, you know, top dragster level. Got it. What's the, what's the most you've ever thrown at something, Steve? Like, I mean, do you have a, we have a max level of uh, amount of gas we can throw at this thing at this point, <laughs> or are we still oh, trying to find oh, out? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one of the big things is now you deal with these, big 959s like the pro mod cars have and the street outlaw cars and stuff like that and you know uh, you know depending on you know there's two there's two terminologies guys use these days i'm old school and i still prefer to talk about horsepower numbers 
and some of the guys these days, you know, try to be technical with what they refer to as a nitrous pounds per hour, um, mm-hmm. you know, flow. And, and in the big scheme of things, I mean, literally with some of these 959s, you guys, you, you really have guys putting over, you know, 1700, you know, horsepower worth of nitrous in these engines or over 6,000 or 6,250 pounds an hour of nitrous in these engines, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's pushing them pretty hard, but I mean, there's, there's guys out there, you know, doing that and then some, you know. Now, when you started pro mod racing back in the day, did you ever think that we'd be talking about 959 cubic inch engines in this, <laughs> and, and still with, with, with six kits on them? I mean, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I say, when I got out, you know, my 706, I actually put a third stage on it for a while and I, and, and it worked for me, but you know, I had some, I, this is stuff I built myself back in the day when, when realistically, not that I'm saying I know much now, but I didn't know anything back then. I don't even know how I did some of the things I did luckily, but uh, you know, it, it was, it was amazing what we were even doing then. And uh, the piston that we ran back then was absolutely garbage, you know, compared to what they use now, you know, so as these engines have gotten bigger, you know, the seven, the five inch bore center engines, obviously, you know, the integrity of the block and keeping the cylinders round and sealed up, that gave us again, the ability to put more nitrous in them, you know, and as these things got bigger and as the evolution of time went by, the camshafts got better, the cylinder heads, you know, the combustion chambers, the quench, uh, you know, all that stuff got better. And especially the piston, I got a piston actually hanging. I'm sitting in my shop at home. And I've got a rod and piston hanging here right now from, when, like I said, my third system. I had a little failure point to it, and I smoked number two. And it's sitting here. i got it hanging on the wall. But if you look at the ring stack on this thing, it is the biggest joke you've ever seen. And to think back then, we this was a 700-inch engine, that, you know, we were spray, you know, spraying them with two and three stages of nitrous. And again, to blow your mind, when I started in ProMod, we were running a damn plasma molly top ring in these things. It wasn't until, uh, I'm going to say maybe 94, Childs and Alberts came out with the, you know, the tool steel ring. We, we started going to a hard-faced ring. Difference maker, right? I mean, a complete difference oh, yeah. maker when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, uh, well, Steve, Steve, what's the weirdest thing anybody's asked you to try to spray? I mean, was it a lawnmower or a go-kart or something like that? <laughs> well, I don't know if this will constitute weird, but as far as from a business owner's standpoint, I'm going to call it scariest, is about time goes by so fast. I'm going to say in the neighborhood, probably six years ago now, I had a fella call up and tell me he wanted me to build a nitrous system for his airplane. And I, I said, you know, I basically started kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, we built nitrous systems for airboats, ATVs, motorcycles, drag cars, uh, flying mile, Bonneville. Uh, we, we've done it for a lot of stuff, but this, this guy starts telling me he wants, he basically, this was a, a home built airplane that he flies from. He, he lived on the East coast of Florida lives. And he flew the thing to Reno to the big Red Bull races. And the, the track out there, the course they run, is kind of like a D-shape. And they've got to run up and climb a mountain range and go around over it and back down. And he wanted the nitrous to help 
with that part of the course. So I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, listen, I, I you know, I'm impressed you built, uh, you know, your own plane and you race it. That's really cool. I said, but I just, I'm not comfortable as a business owner trying to build you a nitrous system for your airplane. I said, anything that I've built nitrous systems for is on the ground. And if the engine <laughs> fails, you coast to a stop. And I said, if you're in an airplane and we blow this thing up and the engine quits, we've got a really big problem. And this mm-hmm. fellow was, I want to say he was in his, I'm going to say later 60s to maybe 70 years old, <laughs> as calm as a cucumber, he says to me, well, Steve, have you ever heard of a glider? <laughs> and I'm like, I have. He goes, he goes, I started off in the Air Force and I flew commercial jets the majority of my life. And he says, if this thing's engines quit, he goes, it's no big deal. I'll just glide it back down. And I said, well, okay, you're, you're that comfortable with it. Let's do it. And the guy actually flew the plane over. Our shop is in the industrial park of our county airport. And he flew the plane over. We landed it, or he landed it. We went over to where he uh, did it. We looked everything over. We discussed the system, took some measurements. He flew back home. We built it. The next week he flew back over, picked everything up, took it home and installed it, and went to Reno. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's pretty awesome, and I think I would like to have a beer with this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, when I told him, when I made the comment about my, my concern being if something happened to the engine, and he didn't even think about it. He just came off as dry as, as, as it can be. I can hear him to this day. He's like, have you ever heard of a glider? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, it's pretty wild. And, and JP, you can relate to this because you've used nitrous. You know how addicting we'll say it is. So we set this guy up with this little system, and we used a purge solenoid on it. But I told, I had asked him how long you're going to need to spray this to climb this part of the course, and he said he figured about, about you know, depending on how much it picked the plane up, about 12 to 15 seconds. Well, the first time he started doing it, now now how this thing was set up, it was on a Lycoming-type engine with a mechanical fuel injection, and he had a slide lever, and he even knew how much pounds per hour fuel he could add because I knew, you know, based on nitrous-to-fuel ratio what I thought we needed to do. So he would smack the button on this thing and then slide the lever for the fuel enrichment all the way forward. And the first time he hit it, he flew the whole entire lap with the nitrous on, which I forget. I want to say it was like two, two minutes and 15 or 30 seconds. And he said, he's like, holy cow, that thing pulled. And we went up that hill and this thing was ripping. And he's like, all of a sudden I smelled something kind of burning. And he's like, oh, I'm still on the nitrous, you know. So he shuts the thing off and apparently he flies and lands it and he smoked the solenoid. And, oh. uh, you know, luck, luckily, you know, again, this, this guy was, he had his ducks in a row and when, you know, he bought spare solenoids and pieces and parts. You know, he went out there prepared. So he called me and he says, well, what do you think we should do? I said, we better change it. I said, if you smelled it, it got hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm thinking, holy cow. So the rest of the weekend, he just kind of flew it like he was supposed to, just up the hill and around. And he damn near won the thing, but they said his wing clipped one of the, one of the, I guess it'd be like a corner marker, if you will. And they penalized him a little bit. And he ended up second place, I think, that year. But it was still pretty cool. That's really pretty fascinating because, and again, I'm not a historian, but 
Isn't that kind of the origination of nitrous in general? Wasn't it that we yep. pulled that technology back from World War II? Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. Yep, it sure it, is. It started. It started off in warplanes. Yep, went back to its roots. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> um, and of course, yeah, it was learned pretty... learned a lot in those years. Do you feel like that? Um, I know you've been. This is all you do. So I mean, the reason why you haven't have you on is because you're the expert. But I mean, do you feel like there's more to learn with nitrous, or do you feel like Man, we've pretty got a handle on this thing at this point. Well, I mean, it's it's been a slow evolving process. Um, you know, there's things that that I you know I'll, I'll speak for myself. You know, there's things I've had ideas of, wondering about taking things to the next level, but also the cost of the R and D and learning was that the right choice or not? You know, necessarily it hasn't been pushed. But, you know, honestly, even even back, I mean, I hate to say it, but from the 90s when I was really racing in the pro mod and stuff to today, has the nitrous systems themselves changed? Not to oversimplify it, but to simplify it? No. I mean, it's the same. It's very similar, the same solenoids, nozzles, and components. But what's gotten better in, in, in the systems, what's gotten better are the tune-ups and, and the tuning and, the, and knowing what to do with them. That, that's gotten better. You know, the engines have came a long way. The, you know, again, the piston design got better. The rings got better. The blocks got better to where you could keep the – I mean, my old 706s, by the time I was done, these were old uh, Donovan blocks, aluminum blocks with sleeves in them. And she's uh, – by the time I'd raced those things a few years, I mean, the cylinders were egg-shaped. You just couldn't get them back without putting new liners in them. And, you know, the camshafts have gotten better to where, you you know, you're trying to get all this air and nitrous and fuel in the engine. But most importantly, or as importantly, once you've spent that in the chamber, you've got to get it to go out the exhaust valve, exhaust port, and get out of the engine. So the camshafts have gotten to where, you know, they help that side of things, you know. Um Honestly, fuel, fuel's really, I can't say, this will sound dumb maybe, but fuel hasn't gotten really any better per se. I mean, we ran C16 and C23 back in those days, I believe, you know. Um, So I think there's some, I think, I I, I think honestly, fuels could be better for what we, you know, are doing and using it for as well. That's That's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have thought that there was they had kind of developed that, but it seems like as far as the bigger and stuff, because Pro Mod, I guess that's the you know the leading edge of you know that's the, yeah, the that's... apex of nitrous. It seems like not nobody's really developing that stuff as far as nitrous goes, like talking about it these days. Nobody's pushing you know the engine development or the it, yeah, it just I mean. Obviously, when you look at front runner pro mods, Musi I think's probably got the majority of them. Fulton, I think's got a couple, and then Buck's got a couple, you know. And again, I haven't been into those engines enough to know their similarities. You know, they're probably the probably the heads in the blocks and a lot of that stuff. I, I got to imagine honestly, they're probably still very similar. But but damn, they've just gotten so big, you know. I mean, I think those, you know, back 
my 706 back in the day, I think was lucky if it made 1100 horsepower. Those engines now make what 1850, 1900 horsepower, you know, just on motor, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. they start off so much stronger. And then it, obviously with the, the capacity the engine has, you can put so much more nitrous in them. Yeah. They just seal so much better and they do everything better. Right. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, Steve, if, yep. if someone is, you know, uh, wanting to dip their toe in it, or if they've got a nitrous program already and they want to make it better, what's the best way to get hold of you or someone on at, at induction solutions? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the best thing, most, most places to start would be calling our shop. Um, you know, call the shop. My, I, I have, uh, you know, three people in my office, my son being one of them, you know, they, they can answer like questions or, you know, system rec- recommendation stuff, but pretty much anything that gets tech, you know, over their head, they give out my personal cell number and, and I handle, you know, all the hands on. One thing is we're kind of a smaller company compared to who we compete against. And I kind of, you know, call it a mom pop, you know, uh, shop and, you know, I, I'm the only business owner, you know, or only, you know, manufacturer that gives out his personal cell phone number, you know. So um, a lot of these big companies that are out there, you know, you, you call a tech line and, and A, you're either on hold half the day, or, you know, and or you talk to somebody different every time you call there. And that's one of the things I've prided, you know, what what I do and what Induction Solutions has grown to be on that every system we do, whether we build it, flow it, um, even, you know, we work on any brand of systems. If a guy's even bought and spent money with someone else, but is having problems and not getting that tech support, he can send us his system, you know, and we'll, we'll basically take it apart, do what we call blueprint it, correct everything and flow it and correct his jetting. And then most importantly, when he gets his tech sheet back with his new jets and jetting and all his new information, that tech sheet has my personal cell number. And it says, call this guy here for tech, your one-on-one tech support, you know? So that's one of the things that I guess uh, I feel we set ourselves apart from any other, you know, manufacturer is, you know, our, our support in, in uh, what we can offer a guy. Very impressive. Yeah. I can attest to that. Um, I've Steve is an avid uh, boat enthusiast. If people don't know that, and I've I've called Steve on a Sunday, me messing around at a test and tune, and he's called me back even though he was out on his boat, you know, enjoying his weekend. He's called me back to deal with my silliness. So, he's he's definitely there for you if you if you get a system from him or they do some work for you, he's going to give you the support. Yep, yep, and and actually, and to take that another step further, really, JP, if you remember. Um, it was kind of one of those things when you came to us, you were working with an alcohol system and wanting to run alcohol. And a lot of guys, you know, there's not much good information out for alcohol and nitrous. And in this case, you know, this is one of the reasons, and I had this conversation actually with some guys today. Another reason I give my number out and talk for hours (laughs) on the, on the phone with people is that's how I keep continuing my education, learning what does and doesn't work. And, and, and the place I was going with JP was, if you remember right, when we did that first system, we're like, let's try this, you know, this different nitrous to fuel ratio and see how it works. And you went to the yeah. track and we ran the thing and you're like, well, what, what are we going to do now? And we're like, well, with alcohol, you can't hardly read the damn plug. So, so we remember, we well, let's put some fuel in that thing and see how it picks up, you know, and right. we just kind of, you know, worked on refining what we had, you know, had, had done for you and, and just kind of just 
I tell people, I'll never say I'm the best or the smartest or I, or I knew anything, but I just I'll try to add another mind to the mix and another set of eyes and ears to the mix, you know, and the more I talk to my customers and help them, you know, the, the more I'm going to hopefully be able to help them, but also they're going to help me, you know, keep learning too. Well, Steve, for putting up with JP's silliness and for your efforts here today, we're going to give you the very coveted podcast certification. So our listeners know <laughs> this does not happen all that often, but um, select, select um, you know, people come on, they get podcast certified. So you are certified, sir. Thank you very much. That means you can come on oh, well. anytime you want. Anytime you want, you have something well, to get off your chest. All you had to do is say, come on, and uh, and you have carte blanche to come back on. Man, I really appreciate that. That's super cool. I definitely appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, you absolutely earned it. This was an unbelievable interview. Appreciate your time. Uh, guys, girls, the great Steve Johnson from Induction Solutions, <laughs> if you need him. All right, let's bring this thing back in. JP, let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 134. And there it is. There, there it is. <laughs> the wind light. And the sweet, sweet sound. Laura Brannigan so we know we had a great one if we hear that sound we know if we see the light we hear the sound we know it was a great one and we was it was a great one we had a lot of uh, great conversation we had Steve Johnson from Induction Solutions he was that was a cool interview that was just a super cool interview yeah absolutely a uh, lot of lot of good history in that interview and a little bit of tech mixed in and um Steve did a great job, man. We appreciate him coming on. Very good guy. Great dude. Yeah. Um, learned a lot. And uh, just, you know, the very kind of what we what we expect in our tech sections is, you know, intelligent people talking about what they've learned and how we can help the other guys in the sport, guys and girls in the sport. So it's, it's going to be really good. Um, so thank you to Steve Johnson and uh, thanks for listening. It was uh, it was good stuff. We hope you're entertained and we hope we had a really good time doing it. So please leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook page is good. Any type of comment on Facebook and, and sharing it is really good for the algorithms. We don't know why we don't, I don't try to get into that. I just know it does help. So, um, but, but enjoy the world series promo. That's going to be, it's going to be a great, great race, right? I mean, it's coming up and that's going to be a good time. Yeah, World Series of Pro Mod coming in hot and heavy this this weekend. Um, I'm already seeing rigs rolling there. There's already people on the property. Uh, I think NC Pro Modders down there, like filming some of the, the early testing. They're already sure. testing. Uh, they're already testing on uh, you know, the beginning of the week. So, uh, should be a great race. Um, and the next episode will be, I'm sure we'll be talking about that and trying to talk with all the winners. Um. So, yeah, uh, keep tuning in, keep sharing, keep commenting, and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, I think um, the only thing left to do is uh, tell you to keep the rubber side down. And travel safe.
Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.